They're saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. Hey, I'm Chelsea, and I'm the battle cry of a thousand angry Branch Davidians. And hey, what's up? My name's Noelle, and I am the ghost of Bill Cooper. And we have a podcast called Freaky Geeks, where you can hear us scream about birds not being real, and Stan Lee being the real-life inspiration for the little girl backwards crab-walking down the stairs in The Exorcist. Find us on all social media and listen to episodes anywhere podcasts are heard. Bond. James Bond. I suppose listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Thanks, everybody, and hello and welcome to another wonderful episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye. I'm very excited about this episode because we have a special guest with us uh, here talking about the movies of James Bond and on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Uh, Welcome to Melissa. Melissa, welcome. Thank you. And I I prefer the term returning champion. Thank you, Andy. Returning champion? (laughs) uh, You know, that does count because I, you know, I've been using that only for people who have shown up on this podcast before, but uh, Melissa and Mark and I used to do a Doctor Who podcast, and um, and Melissa, you were the best part of that podcast. No offense to Mark, Aww, but you were the best you. part. Ah, I've always been shit. Somebody had to break <laughs> up the sausage fest, just like like poor Brooke has to do every week with you two. <laughs> I feel you, lady. I feel you. <laughs> One one of these one of these weeks will one of us will bow out and it'll it'll be uh, there will be more female representation. It'll be a pussy office. vest, yay! Uh, <laughs> Which brings us to pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this week's movie is Octopussy. Um, I what I believe is perhaps like the creative nadir of the Bond franchise, um, but here we are. Uh, and what do you think I, they I, meant I, bef- by that title? <laughs> um, uh, what what do you think they meant by that title, Brooke? I think that it has something to do with Poseidon. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Not you, uh, no? Octopuses live in the ocean, that's all I got. Okay. But Did anybody um, else find it gross, though, that her dad gave her that Yes. Gift? Yes. Fuck. I mean, super. Ugh. Why yeah. is that gross? I mean, calling your your calling your daughter anything <laughs> pussy is just I don't know. Right. I, it's I that know. listen, like Donald and Ivanka try. You like, know, oh like, my god, gross. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, really yeah. gross. Yeah, not to get political. That is, sorry. N- no, we love to get political <laughs> on here. In fact, in fact, I wanted to. I wanted to before we got too far into this. I wanted to take time. Um, we Russia? put off talking. We put off talking about this last week um, for a, what I think is the best of reasons. And yeah. I was talking to Mark and Brooke, and I'm like, "Hey, I, it feels weird to just do the podcast like normal in this moment. I think we should like just get together at the beginning and let's like talk about some of our favorite black creators and 
black movies that we like and directors and TV shows. And Mark's like, why don't we just do that for the whole episode and like invite more people on? And Brooke's like, I'm going to invite my friend Sandy. I'm going to invite Jay. And then like, that's what happened. That was the magic. And so I want to thank you both for like bringing that and being like a major um, like creative influence on, on why we did that. And that was a lot of fun. So, so thank you. It was. Yeah, and it was um, not going to be the last time that we do that. I learned um, so damn much. Yeah. Should and, we discuss Brooke's big secret? Um, what, what about... Is it too shameful, Brooke? Should we keep that for another day? You know, it's pretty shameful. All right, forget it. I said nothing. But okay. I'm willing. I'm willing to open up about it. Like I've been, I've been meaning to do a Facebook live about it, but I've been a little too shameful. So, so let's just like <laughs> tear that fucking bandaid off now, and I will own it and talk about it later. But it was after the podcast, so um, I went through a period of being part of an organization that convinced me I should not be consuming media. And during that time was when um, some different movies came out that I missed and I let everyone know, well, not everyone. I let Mark and Andy know um, after the, the recording of the podcast last week that I'd never watched Black Panther and I yes. watched, I know, I know. And it was something that I, I feel like an asshole. I feel like the problem of America, like I actually do have a lot of shame around it because I should have, I should have seen it and I should have supported it financially. And I should have um, put my money behind my heart and, and gone and watched it. So I rented it. I paid to rent it just to be able to put the money back in there. And I loved it. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I think there's a weird like shaminess in like geek nerd culture. Like, oh, if you haven't seen a thing, then that's something to be ashamed of. Like, Brooke, I understand that moment that you were in where you weren't consuming anything. Um, right. Basically, because I think you got some really bad life advice. <laughs> and hey. I'm glad you are no longer <laughs> uh, listening to those people. Um, not in the cult and, anymore. Right. Yeah, and you and, right. and you're continue and now you're, you know, back on the MCU bandwagon and, and not and so forth. Yeah, you know, I mean life is weird and when you're dedicated to continuous self growth, it can lead you down some weird path. Um That's the key true. is continuing to be dedicated to growth so that you don't get stuck there. But um it I very naturally carry a lot of shame in my being like it's just like if i don't know what to do i'm gonna feel shameful like that's my fault yeah. and so getting out of that habit takes a lot of time as well so i i think part of it is maybe cultural like geek culture but a lot of it is just like was bred into me to feel bad about things so um i'm just i'm just really glad that we had that podcast that we had the opportunity to sit and listen because I, I, well, I mean, I basically only listened during that podcast, and it was it was amazing. And I'm glad I've watched several movies that they brought up since then, and I've loved them all. Same, and that that was what you know was so important is like you know there are a lot of things 
that folks were discussing that I had not seen. And, you know, and it's, it is about continual growth and, you know, having some way to go after these in some organized fashion. And part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast in this format would be to do that sort of deep dive on a specific subject matter. Now we're doing James Bond, which is probably the whitest franchise ever. And, um, you know, maybe that was inadvisable, but uh, I was thinking, oh, there's a new James Bond movie coming out in April. Let's do all this and then we'll be done with it. And then we like said, well, let's let's keep doing it until November because of COVID. And they and they pushed it all back. So. Um, so, Andy, I, can I but, ask you guys real quick? Um, sure. You brought up this being the whitest franchise. I have a question for all three of you, because like, and I'm just gonna admit it now. I'm gonna come out of of the closet and say I am not a James Bond fan overall, <laughs> and so I might be nope, like a worse person to do this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, but so that makes me I, like so I you think... more. <laughs> Um, but so, but since y'all are obviously much bigger fans than me, um, it's been said for years that there should be a black James Bond. Do you think in light of everything happening now, we might finally get that? I mean, it only took Aunt Jemima 130 years, you know, so I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what do you, and and so if you think that they'll finally give it because i mean this is the last one for what's his face right i mean yeah yeah, this is it so do you think they'll give us a black james bond and if so what's your dream pick not anytime soon no you think it's gonna be Um, another white dude really they've already narrowed it down to uh sam hewen from outlander and uh what's the other guy i forget his name there's two guys that they're considering and neither of them are idris elba and Idris Elba would have been perfect, yeah, but he's, he he's a little too old now. But don't um, you feel like no, maybe because Roger Moore could go like back into negotiations? Well, uh, responding to Melissa, uh, <laughs> Roger Moore's age is the problem with these yeah, movies right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. You don't, and you don't want to repeat that. And I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't catch what you said, Brooke. Um, don't you feel like with the current political environment, though, that maybe they might reconsider yeah we can't have a ginger james bond before we have a black james bond that's just wrong somehow (laughs) i I think they would consider it but i think what they are considering right now is star power and right now uh especially sam hewan like his star couldn't be much higher right now it it would be a perfect get for them um i if i have to choose a black actor for for uh, Bond, oh, that's so difficult because uh, Chiwa till Ijefor would have been perfect for me, but I think he's getting up there in age. But again, just, same deal. Yeah, ten I, years I, ago. But been I love his his range. Mm-hmm. I, he he does happy and uh, like insanely angry so well, and he can cover both. He would have been. Who did you say? Uh, Chiwa till Ijefor. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You may if you've seen. Um, mean um 12 years a slave obviously but also uh but um serenity is you know where he's the operative so uh, good in that children of men as well oh yeah he was oh he was so damn devious in that one um and what other one oh uh the movie the the christmas movie that everybody loves 
with Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson and oh, Love oh. Actually. Love Actually. Yeah. yeah. Is he in that? What what part is he in that? He is the Why one am who I forgetting him. Uh, he, uh, he what's his name? Andrew Lincoln's friend. Yeah. Oh. He's, he's the, the, he's the, the Baxter in that relationship. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Hey, before uh, we go on, I just want to call myself out and say I don't believe I've seen all of 12 Years a Slave either. And I haven't seen Selma. I'm a failure. I throw myself <laughs> on the cross right now and I'm going to Selma make up for is it. so good. Like I know. I talked with that. I talked with Andy about it for a long time and I to be fair yeah. on that one, it was the year my daughter had brain surgery, so I just wasn't getting out. Oh, you have like, a definite excuse. Yeah. Again, I don't think there should be nerd shaming around. There shouldn't. There shouldn't. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, watch what you can watch when you can watch it. Um, you can watch getting it. back to Melissa's question, though, um, I mean, John, I, I have to argue with you, Mark. I think John Boyega's star is way higher than either of those two mm -hmm. folks that you mentioned. And uh, I think he could, he could do it. Um, my, my dream though, is sort of what we were already getting in no time to die with Lashana Lynch as a replacement 007. Now she's not James Bond, but she's taken over the 007 um, code name. And mm -hmm. I think that is a huge step forward, and mm. I want I want that. Yeah. And so really I, I would say, could like, do it. wait, hang hang on. I wanted okay. to finish this and then and right. then ask you a question. But yeah, the the I want a Lashana Lynch spinoff. Yes, of her as 007. No, and then I want, uh, and then you can do something else with James Bond too. Like, no, I want I, her to that, be her that's own. What I want. I want her to be her own thing. I don't want. Like no, I I, yeah, I don't see the necessity. Before, yes, we've we've had that argument before, uh, and for me, it's just like keep the narrative linear. Uh, I I don't understand why. I, I don't, and it goes back to the whole Ghostbuster thing. Like, where where's the win in just doing gender swap? Like, it, I, I don't understand that. Why don't you create characters for female actors that they can fill out on their own for them? I, I think it's cheap to just do a basic gender swap. Sometimes that works. It really does. Uh, Battlestar Galactica did it perfectly with a, with Apollo's character, uh, where Katie Sackhoff played Apollo. Uh, so, you know, it's Starbucks. Oh, Jesus Christ, Starbucks, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. so that worked. But, like, it just, it, it wouldn't, it, it just wouldn't work because the narrative has forever been there's this one character, James Bond. Uh, he was this dude and we're following this dude's uh narrative like why why switch it it, it wouldn't make much sense you know it's the thing that i've always taken james bond that each of the individual actors is like a soft reboot and so you might be looking for this continuity and i understand there is this desire to have this continuity from from connery to craig and they tried to do that in Skyfall, and I think they did it very beautifully, and I applaud them for that. But I don't need that if because James Bond is just a template. And the thing that I think is most valuable about the James Bond template is that it reflects the time that it's being made. But we and have so had the continuity, though. 
Um, yeah, we have. Uh, we, we but have I don't. The, the wife. I just don't. The, the, we have the dead wife that ties in uh, Lazenby, Connery, and more, and then is brought up with Pierce Brosnan as well. So there mm -hmm. is that. Uh, and I firmly believe that Craig's character is just a hard reboot. So it's it's the narrative starting again from Craig's character onward. Uh, so th yeah. that that was a clean break. So if there was any ever a time to do this, it would have been with Daniel Craig's character or from Casino Royale and on. But we've already established what we've established. So we kind of we kind of have to stick to the narrative unless we just blow everything up again. And I'm I'm just. I don't know. It's not precious enough to me that I am not like, yeah, blow it up again. Give me something. Give me the new version of this. I don't know. But Melissa, as a as a non-fan, I want to turn this back around on you. What would bring you into the theater? What would make you a fan and say, oh, that's something I want to see. That's something I'm interested in. For, for the next Bond, you mean? Yeah. Um. I, I I don't know. Like, I'll I'll tell you. I I saw Casino Royale and I really enjoyed it. It was like maybe the first Bond movie that I truly truly enjoyed. You know, um, mm -hmm. and so I I uh, I mean, updating it like because I feel like part of the reason why I liked it is because it was it just felt more updated, you know, than the ones I'd seen before and. Um, maybe a little less sexist you know i mean it's you know you still have your bond girls and the the women are sometimes ornamental but if i felt like there was just something different if they keep updating it that's enough to get me into at least take a look but will it make me a fan eh, maybe not you know um i i don't know i i don't know what else could if, if you made it a woman or a person of color, I think I would definitely be more interested. Um, I mean, Doctor Who became a woman, finally, you know? Um, but there is, I mean, there's a lot of flack about that, so who knows uh, how it would be accepted. Um, it would probably take something that would make a lot of other Bond fans angry <laughs> to get me to really be interested. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no. And I I mean, I think that one of the hallmarks of this franchise is its sexism. Which is why and... I've never, like, became a fan. You know, yeah. I think that had a lot to do with it. Because, look, I understand their products of their time. You know, like, even mm -hmm. rewatching Octopussy, you know, it's, it's like, I understand it was 40 years ago almost. And, you know, things were different. But what people don't understand when I complain about how sexist something is, is that even if I know it's that that was how things were back then, that doesn't make it easier to watch. I can accept. Do you understand? Like, like, um, the other day, uh, I came across. I was like flipping through some, you know, this listing for old movies, and it was um, "Kiss Me, Kate." you know, based on The Taming of the mm -hmm. Shrew. Oh, yeah. And that, that fucking book, man, I can't believe they even call that a comedy. You know what I'm saying? It just, ugh, just the title is bad enough. 
And I know it was the fucking like, you know, what did he write those in the 1400s or something? I understand. But if you think that makes it easier to read about a woman having her food and water taken away and locked in a room till she behaves, you, you're crazy. It still doesn't make it easier to read, you know? Um, right. So I feel that's how that's how I feel about Bond. I can look back and be like, oh, you know, it, it, you know, the women are ornamental because, you know, 80s or 60s or 70s or whatever. But it's still not easy to watch. I hear you. Yeah. But I think so that's been that... interesting going back and watching them again is that I'm definitely seeing them in a different light than what I had before. You know, I saw you we were talking about race. You know, one thing I never noted, and I, I haven't watched this movie in like 30 years before yesterday, you know, but I did not when I was a little girl, when I first saw this movie, I did not understand what brown face was. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Jordan is doing exactly that. I mean, brown face without the makeup, granted, but brown face nonetheless, you know, um, and so, yeah, I've seen, I saw it completely differently. I was like, holy crap, you know, like that's, that's crazy. He's a French dude playing a Middle Eastern guy. No way. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, you said, oh, you know, it was the eighties and I don't know. I, re I remember being a kid in the eighties. I remember when everyone flipped out at Ted Danson doing blackface. People yeah. knew, people knew that that was not appropriate so i mean yeah and yeah this movie's racial politics are hugely problematic and um i don't know i think we can get to that but uh, i don't know melissa i want to i want to ask you though since since you're not a fan though <laughs> but you have a very specific reason why you wanted to like talk about like this next tranche of bond movies with us. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a fan, but my grandfather was a huge fan of James Bond. And, um, you know, it, my grandfather and I bonded over sports first and foremost, you know, he was a Cowboys fan, a Rangers fan, a Spurs fan. And I got really into it, but I, I resisted James Bond. Like I, because I thought they were kind of boring. <laughs> but <laughs> this is the very first movie I ever saw. Octopussy was the first Bond movie I ever saw. And it's kind of like being like if the first British television you ever saw was Benny Hill. And then you base everything you think, you know, about <laughs> British television on Benny Hill. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. it, it's probably not a good place to start. Um, but here's the thing. You're going to hear me bitch about this movie and some of the things like the sexism and whatnot but it's it's very 80s and there's still some nostalgia there and watching it with my grandfather that I can appreciate and some campiness that although I think it's like especially in this movie it's like way out of line with James Bond um like because it goes so far compared to previous ones that I think that you know it, it, it just felt weird watching this again, but I can appreciate some of the things that aren't, you know, brown face or sexist. So, um, yeah, I, you know, the, and the worse, the better. Like, I think this is Octopussy is probably the best of the bad James Bond films in my mind. 
you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's an argument. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Tell the best of the of the bad ones. There's a lot of bad James Bond movies coming up that y'all are going to be talking about. Um, but I, I feel, and I think part of it is nostalgia. This was the first Bond film I ever saw. I, I went back. I've seen the Connery ones now. Um, you know, I, I think I've seen all of them. I, I even the, un, what was the the one that came out the same year as this one that was like a oh that's never seen never again yeah yeah the unofficial one, um, and and I've seen I think all of them from here on out I think at some point. Um, but but yeah, so there might be some nostalgia, you know. I mean, and, and but. I, I guess because like I feel like there's always been an undercurrent of comedy, you know, little one-liners here and there, a little knowing smile. Uh, but this is the first one that I feel like they were just like fuck it and just winked at the audience the entire movie. You <laughs> yes. know what I mean? Yep. Like they just let uh, it go. <laughs> and they, they did like Elsa and let it go. And uh, what can we get? Buy them now. Yeah, I mean, come on. Before the opening credits even roll, James Bond flies a small aircraft out of a horse's ass. I mean, you know what I mean? That happens to be out of gas. Yeah. Oh, look, these guys on this truck happen to be wearing parachutes. What the fuck for? See, and if you could just let go and not take it seriously like some other Bond movies, then I feel like that's why I like this one the best out of all the bad ones. Because it is a bad Bond movie. Do we agree on that or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <gasps> what? We no. all agree? Yay, we all agree. Oh! <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> that's amazing. We haven't agreed on any of the bad ones yet. Really? Huh. Yes. Yeah. Usually it will have one defender. Okay, so if y'all don't think Octopussy is the best of the worst Bond movies, then which one is? For your eyes only, I think. I prefer that one to this one. Dear God. (laughs) I I do. There's a whole lot that doesn't make sense. It's like nostalgia, but also for me, this one, but also just like I said, they just kind of put up their hands and are like, fuck it, you know? And I, I think that's a good thing. You just... Sometimes it, it, it literally in, starts with know. a clown running through a forest <laughs> with yeah. balloons They're attached like... to him. I mean, a world-class spy didn't think to let the balloons go so he wouldn't give away his position if one popped. We really? all float down here. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my daughter was saying. <laughs> I don't know why that little detail bothered me so much about the balloons, but it made me want to punch the screen. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. me too. No, no. I, it, it was really quite infuriating because you're like, how dumb do you think we are? Yeah. Well, he was really dedicated to his cover. You got to give him credit. Commit to the bit, man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think, I mean, I, I have, it's become a running gag now that I love what everyone else considers a terrible Bond movie, which is The Living Daylights. Um, but I contend that is not a bad Bond movie. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think of the bad Bond movies, though, I think I like A View to a Kill more than this i like the so. theme song to a view to a kill more than this one oh, but that's this, one? this this, oh, is this one so sucks boring, and they missed a grand opportunity to have the word pussy in a theme song I mean, <laughs> why right. why the hell did they pass that up i mean they put it everywhere else why stop there 
I don't know. Could they have? Could they have gotten away with that on the radio in the early '80s? You don't think they could have? I mean, literally, the one like she's laying there naked and she shoots a laser at her own. No, no, no. But I'm saying, like, could they have actually said the word octopusy on the radio? They advertised on the radio movie. I mean, that's back then. That was a huge way that they advertise movies and they had hmm. to say the name of the movie so you know what the hell to go watch i mean you don't think they said octo vagina or something you know what i mean like i mean no no you, you put a disco octo beat on it and you could you, you could just repeat the words all over again octopus it would have been better than that but yeah you put a disco beat it works you get rick james to to make a song <laughs> for you <laughs> <laughs> She's a doctor per se. Yeah. Would have worked. Anyway. Uh yeah, I don't I don't know, but that's an interesting point. I I like it. Um uh yeah, so I don't I don't know. Um man, if if they would have put an actual like octopusy song out there instead of All Time High by Rita Coolidge, which is the all-time most forgettable song. Yeah, Yeah, I just... I'm so glad we all hate the same things this week. Yeah, oh, the cheesy saxophone in the... Oh, my God, it's so 80s. Yeah. And the weird naked stunts that start happening, but then the still, like, what? Yeah, none of it made sense. None of it. And the music is just... Talk about not going anywhere really not almost going as anywhere. bad as oh my god don't say it <laughs> we've done that we've done that let's leave that argument behind us because you were so wrong we're retiring that bit <laughs> oh are we I don't no think, i don't I don't, no, I don't think we not. ever will because it's fun when mark is wrong yeah. <laughs> you suck <laughs> my, that, my that daughter actually up. liked this song for some stupid reason like really i, I want a dna test now because are you giving her your bad taste no do, like we're listening to it and i'm like i hate this song and my daughter's like why it's it's kind of it's kind of okay i'm like oh jesus christ i know i, I just, know yeah i don't i don't i don't get it i don't get this song at all like even even the songs that i don't like I sort of get them, but like this one, I'm just like, this, this is just nothing. What is this? Yeah. It's just there. It's like words and it's like the worst of early eighties, easy listening. I just, yeah. yeah. It's worse than the Madonna theme song. And I didn't like that one at all. That's my least favorite. Cause I think yeah. that one is actively annoying. This one is just passively like not there. I, I feel like, like they were going to go with an Octopussy song and then somebody put the brakes on that because, I mean, <laughs> you know, after James Bond in a gorilla suit and a clown suit, why, you know, we can't have Octopussy in the song. So this is like whatever they threw out at the last minute because seriously, it sucks. Yeah. I wonder if United Artists was like, enough with the pussy, guys. Just Can we just go with a boring song? Do we have to keep doing the pussy? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, the answer to that question is like, always yes. Like Bond. Yes, we do. Yeah. So. All right. Well, Melissa, you already touched on the, the opening the opening scene. Um, <laughs> that's, 
I don't know. There was maybe some potential there, but it's so stupid. It's so stupid, but like maybe the best part of the movie. No, oh yeah, they put their wad at the beginning. I mean, before the credits even rolled, that that was one of the best parts of the movie. I, you know, after that, it was mostly downhill. I think, in my opinion, I don't know the the really aggressive kissing where she looks like her face might be sucked out. That that was. No, you know what? I, I love the parts where VJ shows up, and I guess we'll talk about that as we talk about the rest of the movie. I, I really like I really like VJ. Yeah, everything with VJ was cool. I really hate the opening few minutes of this movie. It just everything about it annoyed the shit out of me. But, what what do you hate specifically? You, you think that VJ is just another nickname for vagina, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. there's a lot of um, vagina monikers throughout this movie, but. Uh, I hated everything. The whole coming out of the horse's ass was stupid. <laughs> but the very last bit where he looks into the camera and, and he's like, well, I need some gas. Like, yeah, dude. I don't care what kind of vehicle you have. If it's going to be flying in the sky, it's not going to be running on unleaded. It's just, this is so stupid. In freaking Cuba of all places. I just really hate the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good, good enough reasons. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, there is, uh, I'm, I'm not going to defend like anything in this movie. So I think it's like let's deconstruct why it's terrible. So, um, look, yeah, a lady. I, We're going to let you all be distracted by a lady. You've never seen that. one of those before. Yeah, he's like looking at the soldiers, like, "Hey guys, check that chick out. Come on, get distracted, guys. No, I need it's this so I can pull your parachute cord." Now, at the end, when all those women uh, are fighting the men and they're using their tits to, to distract them oh, while they're trying yes. to fight them, it's even worse. I mean, seriously. Yeah. After Christy Brinkley and vacation, let's just stop there. Like, we don't need to have a woman <laughs> distracting people with her body anymore. You know what I mean? It's, um, yeah. Ugh. But it yeah. was cool to see women kicking men's ass which you rarely saw back then like you know that was definitely different it brings up an interesting question though like if it's being written by men and these are the parts that you're being given to play like who's at who's at fault here is it the women who's playing it and accepting the roles or the men who are writing it or oh no this is a script who are taking it like yeah, th- this is right, on the it's writer. It's taken us so long to get away from, I don't even think we're there yet, from the female body being just a distraction instead of, like, a valuable character. Yeah. So, yeah, no. it's. But, it's well, I, I understand what you're saying, Brooke, but I feel like if, if like, women... This is clearly on the writers, part, right? Like, there, obviously. Would never, there would never be women in movies. If they right. rejected those parts, they got to start somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And, no, I totally and agree. if that's all there is, which in 1983, let's face it, that's just about that's all. all there was, unless you yeah. were Sigourney Weaver in the Aliens series, you know? Um, and even then, they had show her half naked. Even then, you, right. Yeah. Um, Most of the men that I talked to are like, that, that's the first movie I ever jacked off to. And you're like, oh. yeah. Really? Really? Oh, it's really? Oh, probably not the scene where the thing came out of his chest, but you know. No, not, not that part. <laughs> okay, you know, because I would not be friends with that person. You're in danger, I mean, she's, girl. She's not bad looking, but there are plenty of others before that that 
don't qualify for that. No, I, I, I love Sigourney Weaver, and I think Me she too. is absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah, I, I, but, I, I, but I mean, for that to be your like, first movie, but maybe you know, Dana, Dana Barrett, come on, yeah, like oh, yeah. that's that's where it's at for me yeah. with Sigourney Weaver. Or um, um, I can't remember the name of her character in Dave. I just love I apologize where I meant to take this. <laughs> <laughs> just sorry. Well, oh. we're just talking about how Sigourney Weaver is amazing. So oh, yeah. uh, I don't which, want this to be yeah. its own. Oh, right. I don't want like, this to move along because I don't want to reveal my first anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, want to know either. But, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's on, that's on the actresses portraying this. This is, you know, this was a series that was creatively controlled exclusively right. by men at this point, and it was and, made for the male gaze. It still is yes. today. Yeah. Yep. One hundred percent. Yep. Absolutely. So there we go. I mean, I. I am very interested in No Time to Die because um, because they have they did do some rewrites with, um, with my girlfriend. Yeah, my girlfriend. <laughs> you wish your girlfriend. I, I really do wish this. I, I'll fight you for her, Mark. I I will murder people. Melissa's girlfriend, DB <laughs> Waller Bridge. Melissa uh, and I will come to an arrangement. Oh no, I don't share. <laughs> Gross. I share well. Mark, I'll share with you. Okay, Brooke and I will come to an arrangement. Uh, I just love, I love her to death. What if Phoebe doesn't want to share? Y'all aren't even giving her any agency. Rude. Oh, that's, this is true. But she does have a wall, she does have a wall of sculpted penises, so I, I think she's okay with, with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you made me choke. I laughed so hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was... I, I, I like this. Melissa, you're absolutely right. We should give Phoebe Waller Bridge her agency. And so, so you she are can, always... So she can turn us all down. Right. <laughs> so please come on the podcast and, and decide if, if you would like to date Mark or Melissa or Brooke. <laughs> She's like, fuck all of y'all. Right. I have standards. Yeah. Yes, that's the point. <laughs> fuck all of y'all. I put on a outfit, will you? <laughs> Will you please come and see me? But, but Thank you. But you know what? She's so damn brilliant. Like she's one of the greatest talents right now. And you know, going back to what we were talking about before, when she was asked if she wanted to see a female Bond, uh, her response was, "What the fuck for?" Uh, she's very much in the camp of James Bond should stay as a male character. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. You know, you were resistant to a, a female doctor for a long time, Marco, I was, and it but turned do you remember, out okay. It turned out remember, okay. But do you remember why? And I, yes. I, I gave you all the rationale. It had to fit the narrative. And the narrative was changed to give them new regenerations. And Moffat, who you guys hate, and I'll never forgive you for that. Created, <laughs> I don't hate Moffat. I created, don't hate him. I just think he writes women really badly. Well, he created the narrative that allowed for Time Lords to change their sex upon regeneration. And mm -hmm. since it was created in the narrative, it worked, and I was more than happy to see Jodie Whittaker what as the next about, doctor. What about the Bond narrative precludes women? I mean, so far, what we have is that it's, and, and it was firmly established in Skyfall, 
was that the government was always targeting young men to use as spies. And they especially targeted orphans. So mm -hmm. it's firmly entrenched in him being a, you know, a boy that the government always looked at, looked into to create into being an assassin for them. Yeah, but I, come on, uh, uh, any government that is recruiting young men to be assassins for them, you think they're also not recruiting young women as well? I, I don't deny which, it. Which again is Lashana Lynch. Exactly. We exactly. Have another double O agent. Which is so. why I agreed with you that if there's you know some side movies with Lashana Lynch as the main character working as an agent, I'm all for it. I'll be the first fucking person to buy a ticket and be in line. Like I would, I would love that. But, you know, to use that as, an, as a reason to make her the next Bond, I just don't think it'll work. Yeah. Also, Lashana Lynch, my favorite part of Captain Marvel. I love her in that movie. She's great. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, but, um, <laughs> so, back to Octopussy. <laughs> We're going to do everything we can to <laughs> not just watch this movie because it's so terrible. Um, the biggest problem I have with the movie is I... I cannot remember the details of this plot because, because it they seem so I me. was trying it to, does. I, I actually sucks. took notes trying to like figure out the plot <laughs> so I wouldn't sound like an idiot tonight. And I still not completely sure. I just know that like Orlov is one of the worst fucking villains. So goddamn annoying. I yes, don't really yes. know what his purpose was exactly except to have another villain i mean i i don't understand I Russian bad guy. jesus he he could not have been twirling his mustache any harder it was somebody should have told him to take it down a notch or something but remember this is the bomb yeah. movie where they all gave up and said fuck it so i guess yeah. he did too Okay, let me let me see if I can try to explain this and make any sense I feel like of calling this it a plot nonsense. is giving it a little bit too much credit. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's true. Okay, so you've got you've got Orlov. Uh, he's a Russian general. He loves their tanks, and he yells at the combined military, who he's mad at that they're engaging in disarmament talks with the West, and he's saying, "Hey, we could like march into Western Europe." anytime we wanted to if they didn't have nuclear weapons and they're like well too bad they have nuclear weapons so he's like well we should we should shoot them with tanks and so he is smuggling out priceless russian artifacts including a faberge egg to um a uh an an exiled afghan prince uh who uh, then is buying them on the black market and using that money to fund Orlov to be able to buy more tanks. And let me Octopussy's see. Octopussy's the fence. Yeah, oh, and, uh, yeah, and Octopussy is their fence. He's, he's their go-between, and she runs a circus, and that's their cover. That's how they get from from place to place and take the money and take the artifacts and so on and so forth but the big reveal is uh at the end he actually uh he double crosses them and he put a nuclear bomb on the on the train which is going to go and blow up right next to an american airbase in west germany 
and uh, then that will cause um, that will cause Europe to disarm all of their nuclear bombs because look at what happened with this American nuclear weapon that that blew up and then he'll be able to march into Western Europe with his tanks. I think that's what the I think that's what his villainous plot is. Uh, and at several different points, people are dressed up in clown costumes and gorilla costumes and it is a mess. To their credit though, there's the Russian chairman general who's like this is a batshit crazy plan. Oh yeah. He, He's like, you, you fully expect the Americans and the West not to respond with a gazillion nukes of their own towards Russia? Like, a five-year-old could have could have told this dude, yeah, this is pretty stupid. Yeah, this is pretty stupid. Um, I think there's a better version of this plot in The Living Daylights. Shh, we'll does it have, but does it have Fabergé eggs? That's what I want. It wanted. does not have Fabergé eggs. <laughs> or a gorilla suit. <laughs> or a gorilla suit. That's one or, of the, the two of the many problems with that movie. Uh, oh, and there's a whole... In the middle of the movie, they go to India to... Um, uh, to what, what's his name? Kamal Khan? Kamal, yeah. Khan! Khan! No, I'm kidding. Oh, wrong franchise. Oops. I'm like, wait, because I'm like Kamala Khan. That's uh, yeah, it's Kamal Khan. Because I, I'm like, it's it's not that because Kamala Khan is Ms. Marvel, and I'm like, no, it's Kamal Khan. <laughs> so it is. It's like Albert Broccoli said. I don't give a shit what happens with the Russians. I need to see tigers and elephants in India. Yes. Uh, before this movie's over, just throw it in there, and then he did yeah. a couple lines of coke, probably. Yeah, you know how, like, at the beginning of um, one of my favorite movies, uh, Moulin Rouge, when they're, like, pitching what the musical yeah. is that they're going to write, and he's like, oh, it's set in Switzerland, beautiful Switzerland, and he's like, no, 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 I mean, India, India, and they're like, oh, okay, yes, now it's in India, and I'm like, I feel like that's what the pitch for this movie was like, it's like <laughs> let's do it in India. For some reason. Will there so be a Maharaja? Crocodile, that fake crocodile thing. That's why. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my daughter was like, that's so stupid. I'm like, yeah, that's one of the many things. Yep. <sighs> so awful. Um, and... I think that whoever wrote this was like like a furry or something. They, they just wanted all kinds of animal shit. You know, like, I don't yeah. understand. I just feel like there's a lot of betting going on when they were writing out this script. <laughs> They're like, hey, what do you bet that we could do this? And they'll actually let it through. And I think it's that just kept happening. And every time they came up with a new idea, they are like, all right, we got to go bigger. We got to go bigger. We got to go bigger. Yep. Hold my beer. <laughs> Throw in a tiger. <laughs> Yeah, get, he get can't let go of the balloons. He has to run through the whole forest holding them. <laughs> yeah, no. So this this whole thing doesn't really make any sense. Kamal Khan, I mean, Orloff is a terrible arch villain, but Kamal Khan, as Melissa already pointed out, is also terrible for a number of other reasons, not the least amongst of which is like, the horrible brown face and yeah i mean most of the people in the indian section of the movie are not indian except for extras and except for vj 
Yeah, VJ is the only one. And what is it about meals in in foreign countries in movies in the eighties where they also they all had to eat gross food that the white dude didn't want to eat? Uh, like yep. that that was in this movie. And then I think the worst example is probably Indiana Jones and the Temple yeah, of Doom, which I think right. came out the same year, right? Like eighty three ish or so. Like eighty three. Yeah. When did yeah, Temple of Doom like, come out? That's I thought a good Temple of Doom was a little after. That whole like live baby snakes and chilled monkey brains. I mean, God, was it later than eighty two? Yeah, I'm gonna look up when Temple Temple of Doom came out. So it was somewhere around here. It was definitely in the mid eighties somewhere. Um, Yeah, it's. I mean, it's within a few years. Yeah. Um, 84, yeah, Temple of Doom was eighty four because I remember Raiders being eighty two when I was in kinder. If I if I have that right, damn, you're old. Uh, hmm. I am <laughs> <laughs> falling yeah. apart, Humpy. <laughs> and I really am. We're we're all we're all getting old. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but the but yeah that and it's it. I mean, that's just you know another part of the Orientalism that I mean we've talked about before. It's like oh you know. They're all brown people from Asia. They're all gross and weird and foreign and alien and and ultimately interchangeable. And we just the only thing that we know about them is that they're gross and brown and foreign and weird. And um, that's I mean that's that's basically the worst the worst. Can part I of it. can I ask y'all a hard question in regards to this? What since we're on the topic. Like yeah. this movie obviously has you know the brown face and and you know uh, the othering basically of of these people um, you know and the gross food they eat you know which that's not really what people eat you know but but whatever um, it's there's a lot of movies that are problematic and we didn't necessarily see it as kids you know um, because even the sexism to me that's just the way everything was and i was too young i mean i was like seven when this movie came out i was far too young to really understand like especially the brown face but the sexism i just thought that's how it worked and that was like our burden as women you know uh to have to put up with that crap and and so you just don't know and then you watch them later as an adult with very different eyes so what is or is there like a line where we won't cross, where we won't watch it again, or if we watch it again, we won't appreciate it anymore. We don't like it anymore. Is there a line for you guys? I don't think Octopussy has that line for me personally, um, but there's things like, like I okay, like for example, I used to love watching that that comedy special, Bill Cosby himself. Do y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. From the- I do. I loved that. We had it on VHS showing my age a little. Um, and I we watched that thing incessantly. I could have recited probably the whole thing to you. And that was like a two-hour comedy special. And I can't watch it anymore because it makes me kind of queasy now. And I wish I could because I, I – but, it you know, at, is there a line for these movies or any other where problematic movies from the past that we either can't watch anymore or can we still appreciate them while acknowledging they kind of suck? Hmm. That's uh, I think that's a conversation 
we've had similar conversations like that before yeah. uh, about separating the artist from from what he or she may have done. Uh, I mean, Cosby is just a very special case because I mean, what he has done is just so egregious that when you see his face, you you can't buy that he's happy and making jokes when you know that there's a real dark side to him. So, so his case, I think, is different because you're seeing the person. Um, if I can compare this to the Woody Allen films from yesteryear, uh, like Manhattan and all that, uh, what we're seeing is a product of his art, not him as a person. So I think that's what makes it easier for some folks and why somebody like, like Bill Cosby is just so hard to swallow, even if it's old stuff, because you're seeing him as a person performing as the person. Uh, so I totally get you. Like I, I can't really see Bill Cosby stuff anymore in the same light. But I mean, I can see Rosemary's Baby, and I don't have an issue with it. Uh, Hannah and her sisters, I don't have an issue with it. Um, yeah. But acknowledging that you know this dude is definitely problematic, uh, and and Roman Polanski is as well. Um, I really enjoyed. I mean, I really, I was a gigantic fan of Louis C.K. And his shows are just absolutely fantastic. Um, have I seen his stuff anymore? No, I haven't. Um, I'm still hoping that he can rectify himself and change his ways and, you know, maybe come back to the fold. Uh, but I think him as a person, he, his art is too close to who he is. Um, it, it's a real difficult question to answer, like, one way or another. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm watching these movies with my daughter uh, and there's a couple reasons why. Uh, one of the main reasons is that James Bond is one of the few things my father and I have that we we can relate to. Uh, it's it's Bond, the Beatles, and and football, and that's pretty much it. Everything else is just we're just so estranged from each other from everything else. So I kind of wanted to share that with my daughter, but I also wanted to show her how different things were back then and how things that were considered okay or kosher are just not anymore. And we have those conversations. Like, I, I, something will happen, and I'll tell her, can you believe guys used to get away with that? You know they don't anymore. You know they can't do that. You know if this happens, it's not right. So we have those conversations. So it's a, for me, it's also a teaching tool, but I'm also bonding with my kid over something that I bonded with my father with. So, um, but yeah, I, it, how does she feel about that? Because that's a lot of work that I think not all parents are willing to put in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, it's it, I want to protect her from things that I can't when I'm not there. So, I want to show her things that some people still think are, is okay, and I want her to know it's categorically not, and that in no way she should be okay with any any behavior that's like that. So the if she can see it and we can discuss it, then I think that's a damn good tool to use for with your kid. Um, I wish more parents would do that. That way we can also teach young boys, you know, you can't do this shit, y'all. <laughs> can't. You know, we may have gotten away with it. Or, our parents and grandparents may have gotten away with it. But y'all can't. Y'all have to learn that this is not cool. You, you do not do this. Uh, I mean, I wish parents would do that with their with their young boys right now. But I can do that with my daughter. That way she can stand up for herself and sternly say, 
this is not right. I'm not cool with this. And this needs to stop right now. Um, and I, I don't want her growing up in a world where this stuff is okay. My sister did. And I, I guarantee you there's issues with that that she's struggling with. And so have I. I mean, I struggled with uh, the paradigm that where a lot of this stuff was okay. And I've had to unlearn uh, things that I I thought were okay because that was the world I grew up in. Uh, and and it's a, it's been a constant shift that I've been having to do uh, as I've gotten older. Um, but, I, you know, I, I at least want to have that discussion with my daughter because I want her to know none of this is cool at, at all. And let me just um, jump in real quick and say that I have known Marco for over a decade now. And you really have come around a lot because when I first knew you, you were a little misogyny. Uh, yes. You really were. Um, and I didn't like you very much <laughs> at first. I really Our first did. interactions were us hating each other. Right. <laughs> and, um, but, but I mean, you've really come around. I, I mean, you know, you're, I think you're still a work in progress, but most of us are really, let's face it. Yeah. Grew up in this generation, you know, um, but, but, yeah, I just want to chime in since you mentioned it, just for all the listeners out there. I know the millions of adoring fans of this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, Marco has come a long way and I think a relatively short amount of time. And so, yeah, I'm proud of you, man. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you you have to be willing to listen. And I think for the longest time I wasn't because I, I grew up in a world where you didn't have a you daughter. Yeah, you didn't have well. You didn't have to listen, um, and it, it took me separating myself from that world. I, I moved away from my hometown, and that's when the process started, because uh, my hometown is extremely toxic. It's a, extremely misogynistic, and I mean, you know, Melissa, the, how the valley is. Oh I mean, hell it's, yeah! It's, yeah, it's bad enough in San Antonio. It's like yeah, it's, 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 not here, but it's roses compared. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's yeah. it's a whole lot world uh, a whole lot worse down there. So when I moved out of it, that process began, and it took getting to know people like you because we've had conversations before. Like um, I will always love Melissa because she was a lifeline for me, and uh, she really she was there for me when I really needed uh, help. And a, a lot of the conversations that we had like hit me like a brick wall, running into a brick wall where I had to face myself and see myself for how I was and I did not like what I saw at all and I hated that you know I brought a kid to this world I could not repeat the mistakes of my parents and my grandparents I I just could not so from you know because I had those conversations with Melissa I was able to make those changes and now I can see it now when I'm watching these movies I'm like oh god damn like I this was cool when I was a kid. It's just so not cool anymore. And I'm so happy that we're having those conversations here in this podcast. And, and I should mention, Marco and I are both Mexican, and it's a very macho, like, uh, you know, man-oriented culture. Um, and as a woman, I see it differently than he does, you know, because he was at the top of the Mexican chain, and, not, you know, women are at the bottom. So it took a while. Um and I'm not afraid to say, I mean, our, our culture is misogynistic. It's very, you know, I, 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 I love being a Mexican, but fuck, sometimes it's really hard, um, especially with, you know, the president. But um, yeah, so 
he, he's come a long way and and i guess that's why i was most interested in what in what your perspective was because these these movies are so misogynistic and it makes it so hard to like them you know um but everybody else is being so quiet i feel like we're dominating the conversation here uh but the white people are listening to the mexicans so that's good that's right <laughs> we, we have to listen too <laughs> brown I mean, matter y'all <laughs> yep. I've had a I've had a hard time going back and revisiting several of these movies, um, because I held such a place of nostalgia for them, and I go back and I watch them now, and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't share this with my kid yet. I mean, mind you, she's she's eight and just not ready to sit through movies anyways, and isn't how old is how old is your daughter? She's uh, twelve and a half. She's going to be thirteen in December. Right, right. So, like, my daughter's concept of things is a little bit, just a little bit lower, um, as far as like being able to explain the hard conversations and things. But, but there's part of me that's like, I watch it and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I'm willing to. Yeah, and I mean, this is a constant reevaluation for me of like, how do we, how do we deal with this stuff? And I, I think. For me, the real nexus is like, where does the subject matter of the of the media and as if we're talking specifically about a problem with a creator, where does it intersect? And like Mark, I'm like, I can watch Rosemary's Baby and be like, okay, you know, I can sort of separate that. I can watch Annie Hall, but I I can't watch Manhattan. Have a hard time with that one because of right. very specific stuff in within that movie. I don't think I could watch it again. I think I could watch The Usual Suspects again. I don't think I could watch American Beauty. Um, you know, and uh, I don't think I could watch anything with Bill Cosby because he had that sheen and persona of being so family friendly and inwardly was a monster. I, so it's like it's hard to um, it's hard to reconcile that. Um, are the Bond movies like I don't know? Um, Compared to Cosby, they seem rather tame, you know. But but I know some people who just want to. Um, I, I guess the way I, the reason I asked is because I, I see a lot of people judging things by today's standards, which. I, I don't have a problem with on the surface, but then to condemn them because they don't meet your today's standards, like 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 Friends, for example, right? People are like, "Oh, this was awful," because you know uh, there was that uh, Chandler's mom was transgender and they made fun of her and blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Okay, but this was 20 years ago, like 25 years mm -hmm. ago." You know what mm -hmm. I mean, like. The 90s was different and and the fact that they even had a transgender character on it all a lesbian couple who married and and had a baby you know what i'm saying like i'm not saying it was like transformative yeah. but there was a lot of shit they did right um and and judging it as an awful series just based on that you could go on to uh, so many other reasons like the fact that they were all white or something you know what i mean like mm -hmm. so many things you could bitch about but but trying to judge by today's standards and then saying it's awful because the one thing i i just i'm like well shit by that standard we can't watch anything right 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 you know what right. i'm saying um and so i i guess that's why i was asking you know 
Right. Which is why the, I, I've, I think I've often compared like the ethos of what I wanted to do with this podcast to the idea of being like a cultural archaeologist and archaeologists and anthropologists, like that, that's the first thing you do is you can't judge the culture that you are studying because you're just trying to figure out the what, not like, is that good? You're just trying to say, what is this thing that, and I see all of these movies as cultural artifacts that both they took in something that was happening in the culture and then they spit it back out and had an effect on the culture. That's what's interesting to me. And whether we should judge it by today's standards or not, I think is like, I, I just think that's a less valuable question than mm-hmm. like, what, what was this doing? Like, sure, we can, like, I mean, we have, we talk about Gone with the Wind so much on this podcast. And because it had such a huge effect on the culture. And rather than, you know, rather than just like sitting in condemnation of it, which I kind of do, but all at the same time being like, but no, let's study it and understand it and say, like, why has this been so influential? And specifically, how has it been influential? And if we want to change those things, if we want to change a lost cause narrative, if we want to change a perception of black women playing mammy, how how do we do that? How do we go about deconstructing that? But first, we have to, like, understand the what before we can, like before we can like judge something and say like, ah, that thing's canceled. That, that's exactly so. it, Andy. Um, it's looking back to understand the whys of how things were tolerated uh, that we that we have to go back. We don't even, we don't have to go all the way back to Gone with the Wind. Like y'all, if y'all are familiar with the Brat Pack. off HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if y'all remember the Brat Pack yeah. movies, they're, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, they're so problematic when you revisit them. And yep. <laughs> I've been doing it because uh, my daughter and I have been doing this thing where she wants to watch everything 80s. And um, I guess it's going I have, to that too. Oh my God. Uh, God bless which is, yeah. which is cool. Like it's cool for me because it brings back memories, but it's been so problematic guys. Cause um, I, I don't remember a lot of this stuff sometimes. Like we oh, saw yeah. Heather's, we saw Heather's and I'm like, <gasps> Oh shit. Like, Oh, oh fuck. No. Like, that's, Oh, like, I forgot about this. I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot about that. So we. My daughter have... is low key obsessed with Heather's. <laughs> my my daughter loved it, but we did have conversations about it. And uh, oh yeah, and I'm like, okay, so nice movie. So uh, and you know, even movies we thought were benign, like um, Sixteen Candles. Oh uh, yeah, that's the one I I watched with my nephew. I forgot about Long Duck Don. I it was so cringy. Not, like oh, oh yeah, not, not only that, but the the whole panty scene. Uh, the, stuff, yeah. the, the the date rape thing um, mm-hmm. that that is supposed to be normalized like that's okay like like oh you had sex with me when I was drunk I don't remember but I think I liked it I guess it's okay like that's so not cool man you it, it's a fucking crime you can't do that now so like I so I had to have and, and this was a movie that I thought oh this there's gonna be nothing with this one this is gonna be fine and like nope. And the most recent example was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And I'm like, oh, you're going to want to watch this. This extremely popular movie. Uh, you're, you're probably going to like it. Uh, and then within the first few minutes of the movie, I'm like, oh, shit, no. This one I got to turn off. 
Like, no, you're you're not yeah. ready for this yet. No, this is on me. Because uh, I have forgotten a lot of the content. Like, it's really heavy con- content. Because I, yeah. I tended to focus on Sean Penn's character and Judge Reinhold and how they're flipping and funny. But there's a lot of he- heady conversations happening and, like, all this nudity. Well, there's one scene where there's nudity. But there's lots of talk about, like, uh, sexual content. And I was like, oh, shit, no. The, this we're not ready for. Like, I, I need to put a stop to this one. Um, but yeah, we don't have to go all the way back to Gone with the Wind. Like this, this was 30, oh, no. 40, yeah. 30, 40 years ago where, but we, we need to understand the mindset so that we can make the changes that are necessary right now. Cause the, the dudes that grew up watching these movies, they still think this way and they don't understand why things need to change. And we need to put a mirror up to them and show them, look, dudes, y- y'all thought this was okay. And we're going to show you why it's not, uh, none of this is cool. A lot of these are yeah. categorical crimes now. Like we, we can't continue saying this is cool or that this is all right or that these are just boys being boys. We have to show them they were wrong. So yeah, historical artifacts, we can learn from them, but we also have to understand the mindset so that we, we can create the change now. Yeah, clown face is never cool. Don't dress up like a clown in a movie. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> do not run with a balloon if you're running away from a murderer hey andy if we're gonna be archaeologists can i have a whip like indiana jones in yes okay you can have I, yeah I, you can I, have several whips I, i'm yeah, in girls with whips is okay with me <laughs> yeah whip it good <laughs> uh, uh speaking of 80s yes yeah yeah no uh, yeah, I mean, so I think, but that's like sort of the ultimate meta question, like beyond this. And it's one of the reasons why I'm, I sort of wanted to go back to Bond because I knew that it's probably the most problematic of all of the like continuing franchises that we still have today. And um, that's part of what makes it so interesting that how things changed over 50 years and yet how some things have stayed the same. So I, and, and that's interesting to interrogate. So yeah, I don't know. Cancel a movie if you want to, if you're not comfortable with it, but I think, I think there's room to look at some of this stuff. Um, What I think is important is People who are making things now, who we support with money now, we should hold up to the standards of now. Right, right. And that is still not happening. So if we can't hold uh, our current people up to the standards of now, I don't think it's fair to hold up people 30, 40, 70 years ago to those same standards. But good question, Melissa. I love it. Um, gosh, we've talked a lot about not octopusy. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's been a really else? good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Okay, okay. Oh, go ahead, Mark. I mean, I think we can run down uh, like everything that's bad about it, and and, and you know, uh, pretty quickly. Uh, one of the things I want to focus on was um, once they're in that. Uh, Amazonian castle, whatever the hell it was, uh, the castle or women. Uh, what was so weird to me was they were all wearing these superhero costume outfits, and I just 
I hate the, I hate a lot of this movie, and that's one of the things. Like, it, it seemed like an uh, you know when Joel Schumacher took over Batman, and uh, it just got really cartoonish. That yeah. that to me is this movie. Like, it, was there a reason for all of Octopussy's henchwomen to have this weird costume that looked like the American Greatest Hero? Like, it was just so stupid. Uh, it, that's one of the things I really, really hate about this movie. And like what Melissa brought up earlier, like they're fighting, but at the same time they're using boob power to disorient the guys who are supposed to be kicking ass. It's just, it's just so full of stupid. Like, did it, did, did this bother you guys as much as it bothered me? I, I don't mind the camp value because, like I said earlier, I think that they were kind of winking at the audience most of the time in this one, but. Uh, in any other movie, I would have been probably a little pissier about it or something. I don't know. I feel like viewing this yesterday for the first time in 30 years, I I said that I feel like the producers or director or somebody just kind of gave up and were like, whatever, with this one. I feel like that's me as an audience member, too. So it doesn't bother me as much. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Okay. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that a lot. I definitely gave up several times in this movie and i'm just like really okay so yeah i don't know brooke do you have do you have strong opinions on the on octopussy's gangs outfits this whole movie is just garbage like i just got to a point where i was just like (laughs) whatever like i can't be invested like it's not like some of the other movies where they were bad but i was like Oh, but you had such an opportunity to do so much better. It's like, no, that doesn't exist in this. <laughs> There's no doing is better. It's just garbage. And so I didn't get that opinionated on it because I was just like, oh, oh, look what they're doing now. Oh, look at, oh, here we go again. So I, I don't know. I don't Sounds like we all agree. We all just sort of gave up on the movie yeah. when the movie <laughs> gave up on itself. I mean, guys, there's a yo-yo saw. I mean, the best part of this movie is the title, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Or as bad as it is, it's still the best. I still remember having fun saying the movie's title when I was a kid. It's the only like, time I brought it up. was saying pussy. Yeah, and I would say, so have you seen Octopussy? <laughs> <laughs> Of course you were obnoxious about it. <laughs> it was. It so was. Yeah, but this is a pretty this is a pretty bad movie. Like it, it really is. And it doesn't get better with the next one. because uh, that is just oh, so bad. Um but I will agree with Andy in that uh, a view to a kill at least is slightly better than this one. So we have that to look forward to. Yeah. Wait, a view to a kill. Who was the Bond girl in that one? Grace Jones. Grace Jones. Okay. Yes. Okay. She yeah. makes everything. <laughs> if Grace Jones yeah. had been in this movie, it might have been more enjoyable, or, or enjoyable at all. Having her as a badass would be a lot more believable than a lot of those henchwomen that were just <laughs> flying around doing. Let her be a badass. Because here's the thing about Octopussy, the character. Okay, um, she's started out as a villain and then we didn't see her for like huge swaths of time 
like she just disappeared from the narrative completely and then would come back. It felt like hours that she was gone or maybe just because the movie seems like it runs for 10 hours. I don't know. But like, oh, I thought it was at least 12. (laughs) But but she's gone for like long periods of time and she's supposed to be a villain and the namesake of the movie. But she had very little to do, even less to say most of the time. I mean, she just kind of walked around with the quizzical dog look on her face half the movie when she was actually in it. And I just, that bothered me. Like, okay, if you're going to finally, because female villains were few and far between back then, you know, Um, women were always like virginal or ornamental or whatever, you know? Um, So if you're going to make a woman a villain, don't make her fall in love with James Bond and then become like a good person or something and then leave her out of half the narrative. It just, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me at all. I think think what they wanted to do was to have another pussy galore character, but it just didn't work out. By the way, uh, for folks that might not have known, she was actually a Bond girl before just two movies before this, she played Andrea Anders in the man with a golden gun. So if she looked familiar, that's why they just, recycled her into a she new did character. Look very familiar i was like yeah. what but then i wasn't really invested enough to care yeah Maud adams uh she's one of only two uh repeats, repeats right uh who else was uh, yeah i think so and i can't remember who the other one is there but because they're not i i just don't ask yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> no <Mel> might know <laughs> yeah nope <laughs> yeah no, but there, yeah. So I just, yeah, but I just, I, I agree. I find her like fairly uninteresting and they try to like give her this like, oh, she has a backstory with Bond and Bond uh, arrested her father and let him commit suicide rather than be brought into jail. And that always, she always thought that was good that he gave him an honorable way out. So I'm just like, what? I, what is this what is this business i don't i don't like i don't care about any of this and it doesn't really make any sense and yeah um do we want to talk about vj real quick i love vj so i i want to i do want to point out (laughs) wait what was that which one was vj again he was the Indian guy. Yeah, he was the one Indian guy who was Bond's okay. driver. And yeah. Ah, uh, yes. The, died from the yo yo saw or something, right? Oh, he did die from the yo yo saw, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but um, he was he's actually uh, a professional tennis player um, who Albert Broccoli met and said, you've got a great look about you. I want to put you in my movie. His name is, the actual guy's name is VJ Armitrage, and they named his character VJ because, like, you know, why give him a different name? Let's, you know, let's let's keep that. So uh, VJ was VJ. Um, and I want to, one, one quick shout out to Roy Fillmore, who will probably get mad at me if I don't mention that when Bond steps off the boat in India and VJ is playing the flute to the snake, that is 
another example of diegetic music in a James Bond movie. So, um, and convenient that he is playing the James Bond theme song. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, because that makes sense. Yeah, it cranks up the stupid early. Yeah. So now, now <laughs> what I do like about VJ, I kind of like that car chase. It's a stupid car chase. Yes. But I kind of like it a little bit. Just a little bit. I like how they're smacking everybody that's in the way. It's, it's a funny car chase. It is a funny car chase. Um, they definitely went after the camp here. It is not a good car chase. It is a fun car chase. Um, it's better than the car chase on the train tracks. Oh, oh Jesus that's Christ. <laughs> that is that true. That was terrible. Very, very true. All right. Um, any Anything else, any other things folks want to talk about that either they liked or they hated um, before we move on to our normal stuff? I just feel like I should throw myself under the bus here a little bit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All, of all of the movies thus far, this one has the weakest Poseidon ties. Um, There's still water. No. Boat. He still does the, like crocodile. Like I'm an oh, me, I'm a crocodile. Like there's no. there's definitely water going on, and he takes an octopus to the face. Like it's named octopus, which is but I don't know. No, I I, I think it still works because works, uh, but... so so octopusy mean she's named after an octopus from from the ocean. But to mm. me, there's a lot of Greek stuff happening here because she's acting like Circe, and her island yeah. is like Themyscira. Uh, full of Amazons, so I think it still holds up. It's it's probably one of the weaker links yeah, I to the theory, but it still works. It works. It's just he's, one of the weakest. He's still he's still more formidable and untouchable when he's on water. Yeah, than that's when true. That in so, that sense, it worked. Like he does escape elephants and a tiger by jumping into the water. Right. Yeah. So it works. Getting on a boat. So, getting on a boat, yeah. yeah. It, it, it definitely yeah. works. And the crocodile. It, it's a low point for a Poseidon. He was kind of slumming it, but it still, <laughs> I mean, still worked out. Early 80s, Poseidon was all coked out. He needed He needed to have more. There needed to be more water in this movie than... Okay, now been. I want you to get a temporary tattoo of an octopus and put it on her ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Octopus. Okay. Um, anything else? No. Okay. The movie is largely forgettable. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's move on to our standard uh, things that we go through. Uh, this movie came out in 1983. Uh, it again. It we should mention again. It was directed by John Glenn, who directed uh, the the previous movies uh, and continues John Glenn's run as director and agreed. He sort of has given up here. Um, it had a budget of 27 and a half million dollars. It's domestic box office made 67.9 million, uh, which is actually pretty good. good return. Yeah. In inflation adjusted, 
Uh, 196.3 million. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big movie. Um, you know, makes almost $200 million domestically. Uh, worth noting, it is, um, it, it made more than, um, than For Your Eyes Only, uh, but it made less than Moonraker and every movie from now until GoldenEye uh, is going to make less money than the previous one. So, uh, yeah, this is this is sort of the, the beginning of the box office decline for um, for Bond throughout the eighties. Um, yeah, that's that's the box office. Um, do we have favorite one-liners from this movie? Uh, for me, my favorite one-liner is uh, the car chase when uh, Bond tells him, tells VJ, uh, we're going to have company, and VJ's like, that's okay, this is the company car. I don't yeah. know why I get a kick out of that. I wrote that one down. I wrote that one down. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, Anybody any, else? I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I think we have to go with that's my little octopusy. Yeah. yeah. Like you just have to call it out, not because it's a favorite, but it's just that bad. Yeah. Um, I also wrote down um, at one point uh, when he's talking with Q, Roger Moore asks him, "Having problems keeping it up, Q?" Oh yeah. About uh, the uh, yeah. <laughs> And and he says to the snake, "Hiss off," which is the height of camp in this movie, probably. Oh, there's also that line about uh, this runs on hot air. And oh, what was the response? Then, um, then you should have no problem with it, or something like that. Cancel or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Okay. Um, Again, going back to the theory that a Bond movie is only as good as its side characters. Uh, who were, who was a good side character in this movie? VJ, uh, and that's it. I think VJ is the only. Like, yeah. Really good one. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll shout out M- Mishka and Grishka. They could have been cool if they would have done anything with them, maybe. But, um, yeah. No, wasted potential with uh, crazy circus performers. Uh, okay, and um, our our final. Well, we already asked ourselves: Is this a good Bond movie? That answer is no. Is James Bond a good person in this movie, or not? Is he a good person or a bad person? Yeah. I feel like maybe this is one of his, like as a person, better movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to stop World War Three from happening. Is that why it's so bad? I... Does he have to be a bad person to be enjoyable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Jesus, that that that, that is true. Because I mean, we yeah. we liked the movies when he was being rapey, but yeah. he doesn't do any of that here, and we hate this movie. Huh, what does that say about us? Did he have a one and done in this one? Well, I... octopus. Yeah. Yeah, and and what's her name? The one with the octop- octopusy uh, tattoo. 
tattoo. That's what I was thinking of. What is her right. name? Right. Oh, but she's the, she's the first not to die. Because she was the first. Well, that's what um, I'm asking. It did die right after. No, oh, no right. she, she didn't die. She didn't. Oh. She didn't, and I kept, I, I I had forgotten about this character, and I kept waiting at the end, like, okay, this is where she dies at the circus in Berlin. I'm like, no, she doesn't. So she's the first person to survive the sexy bond curse. Yeah. So there we go. Um, one other piece of trivia that I will only bring up, um, because Brooke may appreciate it, uh portions of the film of the the final uh airplane fight uh were filmed outside of hurricane utah what? yes it is pronounced hurricane, hurricane. not hurricane um it's pronounced lake silencio not yes <laughs> uh, not, not hurricane is not far from lake silencio aka lake powell so aka nothing um, <laughs> Sorry, this is a running joke since Who Virgin, so you know, had to throw yeah. it there. Yeah, back the that was a very big argument over uh the name of the lake where uh where where doc uh, where which which doctor was he? Matt Smith. Well yeah, Matt Smith, I couldn't remember. The eleventh doctor was shot. Yeah. So yeah. So I always get my numbers mixed up. Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, why did they choose to film in Hurricane Utah? I have no idea. Especially for that scene, it's like, what? Tax credits. That that sequence also felt very tacked on and completely unnecessary. It's just like, okay, end the film already. But I just thought it was funny that they went from like Eastern Europe to Southern Utah. <laughs> So, <laughs> Makes um, sense. Yeah, totally. It's all the same, you know. I mean, if if we're going to put Frenchmen and pretend that they're Afghani, then yeah, then sure. Then Southern Utah is definitely the same as Eastern Europe. Um. Okay. Well, that's about it. Any any other any other final thoughts before we wrap up here? I don't think we have studio notes because this is one movie that oh, should not right. have been made. Oh, I totally forgot. Yeah, we normally would do studio notes. How would we improve this? It just don't do it. <laughs> don't make it. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the pantheon of, of Bond movies, this is like, you, you don't need this movie. You, you don't miss anything by not seeing it. Like, like Bond's character, there's no advancement in Bond's character. Everybody else except for VJ is absolutely forgettable. Uh, it's just such an unnecessary movie. Uh, we're going to get another example of that with the next movie we're going to see uh, in terms yep. of unnecessary. Uh, I yep. just, I really do dislike this movie that much. I do too. Yeah, no. Is that everybody's studio notes? Just like, don't <laughs> make the movie. <laughs> I understand why they made it and they they clearly kind of rushed it to compete with the Sean Connery one coming out. Right. Um, because from what I understand, like Roger Moore wanted out. He actually didn't mm -hmm. want to do another one. And, and maybe it's just a whole culmination of things, a bad script, uh, you know, bad villains, um, 
a Bond who didn't want to be there and who was clearly too old for the role already. Um, you know, I think it was a lot of things that contributed to this. But normally, if I say that about a movie, it's because it could have been better. But I, you're probably right. They didn't really need this in the grand scheme of, of Bond. But um, I guess just because, you know, I just look at it as a campy movie, you know, that, that yeah, it it definitely sullied the Bond name or whatever. But maybe it's just nostalgia or something. Because, again, this is the first one I ever saw. Um, I It was bad, but I think it's the best of the bad ones. But that's just me. Yeah, speaking of Roger Moore wanting to get out of the role, if you want to see something trippy, go to the Wikipedia page for Octopussy. And there's a picture of James Brolin uh, dressed up as James Bond with V-Day doing a screen test. Right, because they were considering him. And, and I will say this, uh, in an interview, Roger Moore said that uh, he really does not like this movie and that this is a movie that he wished they would not have made. Yep, well. So he agrees he, with us. Well, he agreed. Not wrong. Not wrong. I, I just want to ask Melissa, though. Melissa, do you believe that this is a better movie or that Moonraker is a better movie? Um, which one is Moonraker again? <laughs> the space shuttle, I, the one the with the space one? shuttle in space. Uh, yeah, I think I've only seen that one once and I don't think I paid close attention. So I couldn't really say for sure. Um, remember, <laughs> I'm not a Bond fan and I haven't, I don't know if I've seen all of them. Um, I no, feel like good. I saw all from the 80s on, most of them at least. Uh, I, I But I need a refresher course. Like there's a lot of crap from this movie I forgot a lot. I, I even forgot the horse's ass. I mean, how can you forget that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean you forget that. That's really bad. And, and I don't know if it's that I forgot it or my mind was like, this is unnecessary. Get this shit out. And I just tried to forget or something. Uh, but, but I, you know, I get the feeling I'll forget most of it by tomorrow, you know, uh, even yeah. though I just saw it yesterday again. Um, I hope so, that you can yeah, and use that space for more valuable things. <laughs> I know. Well, it, you're, you're, I will say though, like without without trying to go into a spirit of like being only confrontational. Like I'm not saying it just for that reason, Mark. I'm not. But <laughs> it this movie did not bother me, like get under my skin and bother me as much as the spy who loved me. Hmm. I think that's person. because. Well, yeah, I'm sure that that's part of it. But also, I think it's because, like, you just can't get invested in this. You just don't care. Like, you're just yeah. like, whatever. Can it just Yeah, they gave up. We gave up. So... Yeah. Yeah. I think we're just so uninvested in it. But... but it doesn't get under my skin. Like, the acting in it isn't as infuriating. Hmm. I'm sorry. The, the acting in The Spy Who Loved Me just, like... It, it genuinely like made me angry, like mad feelings when I watched it. Um, and I didn't get that with this one. I didn't like, sure. I wasn't as invested, but I really also didn't, it didn't piss me off. As much. Well, Mel's going to join us again. So try to see if you can watch Moonraker 
just so you can tell Brooke how horrible it is. <laughs> oh, do we do we need to? Have, I don't. I don't sure, know. That I, I take that mean. on. I take that challenge on. See, Brooke, Brooke wants this, Andy. No, no. I feel like if she watches it, she's she's probably likely to agree with me. Uh, okay. I, I don't think and so. I would put this name out there for the spy who loved me. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, uh, Melissa, please watch. Please, please watch. I got. I trust Melissa's judgment as much as I trust Andy's judgment when it comes to movies. So, mm-hmm. Melissa, please, I beg you, can you watch both movies? Just, I, I want to know what you think. Okay. This is Brooke and Mark asking Melissa, please watch these terrible movies. And watch- <laughs> <laughs> it's not terrible. I- I feel I feel the love, y'all. I really we, we will not subject you to the Invisible Man. No. But if you can no. watch these two. You know yes, what? It's quarantine time, so okay. <laughs> if, if, it was, if we were not in the middle of a global viral pandemic, I'd be like, fuck both. But <laughs> <laughs> I got shit fair, to do. Totally but I got nothing yeah. to do, so. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, so next week uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return with our next episode, Never Say Never Again, the Rogue Bond movie starring Sean Connery. Um, Melissa, did you want to join us for that one, too? Or did you only want to do the Roger This Moore is the one? one where they sit at some table and they shock each other yep. or some shit. Yes. I see yes. it. I've seen this movie. I'll join in. Okay. Okay, right. good. Yeah, good. Because <laughs> it is crazy pants. Yeah. I like and, having you join us, Melissa. It's nice. It's a good yeah. yeah, This is fun. Yeah. We yeah. all need to shit on this movie because Sean Carter needs to know how bad this movie was. Why did he come <laughs> back? Why after like a decade Money. away? Is that it? Is that the only motivating factor? Because I know Money, it couldn't have been. Vanity, ego. Such yeah. a great script because it, it wasn't that, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It wasn't the great script, so like I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't understand why they had to do that movie. Yeah, and technically, it's a remake of Thunderball. Pretty much, it, yeah. it is the same plot as Thunderball. <laughs> so we'll we'll get into that of the you know the hows and the whys that this came out, but yeah. Um, very interesting, but yeah, well, we've got that. We've got that next week. Um, one other quick plug. Um, I was on the yours, mine and theirs podcast with, um, with our friends, John and, and Roy and talked about Saturday night live movies. Uh, we talked Caddyshack trading places and hot rod. That was a lot of fun. Uh, tune in next week. Mark is watching oh, Jesus. Movies, <laughs> movies that fit under a category called stop or this movie will suck uh, where action stars try to do comedy and uh, <sighs> what, what are the, okay let me see if I can remember the the movies are Rhinestone mm-hmm. Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone oh, not bad. Yeah, Top Dog, Top Dog with Chuck Norris and a dog. I'm gonna hate watch that shit. (laughs) And uh, oh, Lucky Star with um, oh, and now I can't remember her name. Jean Ji Yi. I always say her name wrong. 
from House of Flying Daggers and Hero and uh, so on um, in a romantic comedy. Um, yeah. So action stars doing comedy um, should be interesting. So, uh, yeah, Mark is going to have to watch Top Dog. I watched Top Dog <laughs> earlier tonight. Yeah, Mark. Dude, but you know what really pisses me off, man? That there was a there was a tie, and Central Intelligence should have been picked, but Roy hates me, so he chose Top Dog. He, I think he did it because all of his his Fillmore, Fillmore uh, clan, his Fillmore clan, like came in and uh, overwhelmed the voting for for Top Dog. Um, man, you know that movie? It doesn't suck. Even though it has it has a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> why do you gotta lie to me, Andy? <laughs> That's how bad it is. it is. It is it is a bad movie, but you can have some fun with it. Oh Jesus! Man. <laughs> I am looking forward to Rhinestone though, because I've always liked it. Sure, Rhinestone. Yeah, good times. That one's gonna be good. Yeah. Uh. So so go check out uh yours, mine, and theirs, and then Brooke is maybe going to join the episode after that. Yeah. I heard I, a rumor. I believe that's the plan. I think that's the plan. So, that should be. And we'll be doing episode two, or three. We did episode two. Yes, episode three for Mental Movies. Oh, yeah. And go check out, yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to talk about Revenge of the Sith on on Mental Movies. So I think I think that would be a good one for Father's Day. Oh, oh, let's do okay. Yeah, let's let's record that this weekend. Wait, is Marco do Revenge of the Sith? Because I want to listen to that because I want to hear you guys make fun of them and him bust a casket about how good the prequels are. <laughs> you you should go you should go listen to uh our our Attack of the Clones episode where I sit very quietly while while Mark <laughs> and Brooke talk about how much they like that movie. And I am very I Wait, it to Brooke. Yes. Oh my God! I thought I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> There's no accounting for bad taste, okay? You know what, uh, Andy? And very good reasons for liking it. In that episode, Andy is so civil and is a great <laughs> example. And then we repay him by completely shitting on him. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Andy, you are always a gentleman. Always. No, but here's the thing. It's not like there's some toxic fandom around uh, Invisible Man where, like, if, like, yeah. Well, there's I, a fandom I, of one. Where I worry about you. <laughs> there are many people who like that. <laughs> however, however. Uh, but... So, you know, I did I did not want to add to the toxicity of the fandom around Star Wars and simply hating on the prequels. And plus, the whole point of that podcast is wouldn't the world be a better place if the Jedi just fucked? Yeah, like that's a pretty good that, premise. Like, like, I feel like anyone should be able to get behind that. Yeah. So except for maybe my mom. <laughs> Oh no! A lot of a lot of very a lot of very chaste Utah Mormons who love Star Wars would be like, "Well, I'm not listening to that. That sounds offensive." That is why this whole movie just follows the gospel. No, 
That's true. <laughs> um, the galaxy suffered because Anakin couldn't stop his pee-pee. <laughs> okay. Original sin. Um, original sin. Uh, any, oh. Melissa, I don't know if you have any other recommendations, fun things that, that are making you happy, that are that you're listening to, that are keeping you sane during quarantine, that you want to plug before we pull the plug on this. No, you know, I, here's the thing. When this whole thing started, I was like, oh, I'm going to catch up on all these podcasts and all these books. And I fucking didn't do it. You know, I, (laughs) (laughs) I really did it. And uh, I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't even know, like I, I guess at the beginning of this podcast, I ended up asking questions y'all already discussed because I only listened to the first three episodes because that's all I've gotten to so far. I'm behind in all my podcasts, including this one. Um, Well, three episodes is like, what, 12 hours? It's like 14 hours. Yeah, (laughs) you bitches, you bitches, you know, are wordy. Goddamn. I know we are. We are. At the beginning, beginning, I really tried to like, Keep it to a certain limit, and then I just I just had to give in, just go with it. You just gave up like the octopusy writers, yeah. I did. I get it. <laughs> you, have, what you, next? Have my, you have my permission to listen to this podcast on one and a half speed. <laughs> that makes it more powerful. I have listened to I think forty books during quarantine. Oh, oh nice. Listened to or read. Last year I read a hundred books total, like over a hundred total. But um, there have been some good ones that have come out. So nice. If you do have any like book recommendations that you're looking for? I could. Oh, speaking of which, guys, it, it, and uh, we're probably going to get to the to the franchise at some point, the Terminator franchise. So um, um, I didn't want to watch the 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 latest Terminator because, you know. The two previous to the one that was released last year were just so horrible. But I've had time on my hands. And I finally yeah. saw it. And you know what? It's not bad. Yeah, like, so. it It makes sense. Uh, and there's a gigantic shock at the very beginning that you're like, okay, wow, they went there. They did that. Uh, they shook up the franchise enough, which, I mean, I, I still think they should just end it after this last movie. Just, just don't yeah. do it anymore. But it works, like, as a capstone to the franchise. Uh, if y'all haven't seen it, give it a watch and then tell me what you think. Cool. Melissa, what were you about to say? Oh, oh no, I, was, I read a lot of books, but, you know, the sucky thing is they're, like, advanced reader copies, and so I signed an NDA, and I can't fucking talk about them. Oh, oh. no. But there's some shitty books coming away, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them have been really bad. Like, like, like Karen, Pete Karen bad. And I'm like, shit, this, this, uh, yeah, it, it sucks because it, it, and the worst part is it's like, uh, being, uh, a Latina and I see like, um, like there was this book called American Dirt that came out like in oh, January. Jesus oh, Christ. Yeah. That fucking book. That fucking book, exactly. And um, you know, written by a woman who has like one Puerto Rican grandparent or something, and so she claims she could write about all Latinos or something. But but her it came across as like oh, a tourist in Mexico who was supposed to be born and raised there, but she came across as a white lady tourist, you know? Yeah, so but the good part about that is it started this movement um, uh, where Latinos forced 
some of the big publishing companies to admit that they're because get this 97 percent of the employees at publishing companies are white now think about any other industry where you could get away with 97 percent of your employees being white i mean it's unheard of right 97 97 yes jesus so reading these books because like uh, if you read there was this hashtag on twitter that i think it was like um my my latin novel or my latin book or book proposal or something and it was basically you know they were just making fun of the fact that these publishing companies if you're going to write a book as a latino you have to suffer they want like like basically like like you know uh like suffering porn you know what i mean what, what's the word i'm looking for like to not torture porn but like uh yeah like tragedy porn something yeah like that. yeah but, but then I get these books, these advanced reader copies of these Karen books where if you're a white woman, all you got to fucking do is like go through a bad breakup and you can write a whole book about it. But if you're Mexican, you better have cancer, lost a leg, somebody ran over your puppy and you got deported. You know what I'm saying? Like it, all these bad things have to happen to you before they'll pass yes. you. And so I'm reading all these books during quarantine and it's just pissing me off so fucking bad because I like. I, I can't even tell you because I signed an NDA. I can't tell you, but these women you know, I could are this. minuscule compared to what Mexicans have to go through to get published. It's it's unbelievable to me. Mm -hmm. I, I've been working on um, a couple of books, actually, that um, one. So most of you don't know me, but my main job is as a, a sex coach to help people recover from sexual trauma and um, other types of tragedy and shame that's abuse that's wow. happened in their lives and to like rebuild that part of their life to be really positive and beautiful. And I've been like working on this book, but there's this big part of me that like I see so much other, because I, I read a hundred books last year. So I'm reading it. I'm, I'm consuming a lot of books and some of them are just bullshit that I can just listen to. Like some of them are like the, the free audible books that are like an hour and a half long or something that barely count right um but as i'm going through all of this this media i see such a discrepancy there's a book that came out last year um on audible about latina women um i have to look up the name of it real quick but it was absolutely heartbreaking and beautiful and um I don't know anyone who's read it. I don't know anyone who's, who's even heard the audiobook of it. And it breaks my heart because it was one of the most impactful books that I read of the entire year last year. And so I'm in this place where I feel like I see such a disparity and I see so much garbage literature coming out. I don't want to add to that. And I wish that, like, I can't help that I am, like, the widest person ever. And, but I don't want to add to the disparity and the, the, the differences between um, what's available out there. I think it's so awful. You shouldn't put you on hold, though. There, there, so there's a book that came out at the beginning of this year called Such a Fun Age um, that was written by a Black author, and it was really good. And then the other one was The Way She Spoke. Did you did either any of you read The Way She Spoke? Mm -mm. Mm. No. It's, nope. It, it is by a woman 
um, oh no, by a man named Isaac Gomez. It's done in like play format, but it's about um, the women that go missing in Mexico all the time and how they can't get the police to do anything about it and how there's so very little being done to help them and to give them access to protections and to make them feel capable of growing up and it's it's really it's a really powerful really beautiful piece so i highly recommend that cool anyways not at all the point of what we're doing here tonight but it's all right well, a nice started, little bird started, walk and i sort of changed the subject so you know sorry about that but yeah, I it's, it's good. I definitely like. I'm so worried about being another Karen. Like, I appreciate hearing more voices out there. Have, yeah, have and beautiful things to say. Um, one thing I I am a fan of right now. Um, there's a book that's coming out called Mexican Gothic. Um, and it, it's coming out in like two weeks or so. And and I can talk about this one because I didn't get an advanced reader copy, just like one chapter, which I could talk about. It's really good, but there's also a playlist that the author uh, started on Spotify called Mexican Gothic that will really put you in the mood for this book. And I really kind of wish more cool. authors would put together a playlist you know what I mean? To, to go with their books. Yeah. I think that would be kind of awesome. So if you have Spotify, um, look for it. Uh, Mexican Gothic is the name of the playlist. Um, yeah, it's really good. I'm going to do that. And um, yeah, and, and a book that I just started reading, but I'm going to recommend anyway. It's called The Only Good Indians. Um, it's it's sort of like a horror story. Uh but there's like a lot of commentary about society in general in it. So I think that, you know, anything like that right now is good. And of course, read black authors. But since I'm Mexican, I'm going to say read Mexican authors too, please. So we don't have to suffer for our art literally to get published. Um, yes. Because that's just bullshit that we have to suffer and Karen can just like have a hangnail and write a whole book about it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I never got around to saying this at the beginning, but um, the my intention in having that... Uh, that podcast last week is I also want to extend that and do another one specifically about uh, Latinx creators and um, the films and TV and, and books and art and music that we all love uh, from them and do another one on, uh, on Asian creators as well. So, um, you know, we're, I, I want to revisit all of those because I think, it's way too easy to overlook uh, the contributions of these folks, and there's just way too much out there. And, and we shouldn't, because some of our best stuff is is made by by these folks. And and just as I said, you know, black black culture is American culture. Um, Mexican American culture is American culture, and we have, you know, we have. Uh, Latinx creators who are 
doing amazing work and are hugely influential in our culture right now. And um, we should seek them out and support them. So, uh, you know, even, you know, Alfonso Cuaron made the best Harry Potter movie. So he did. Um, yeah. yeah so, and Mexican directors have been winning you know, a lot of Oscars lately. Just so you yes, know. they have. We have been taking American jobs. <laughs> 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 and now, now, was... now this podcast is 100% more Mexican this week with my edition. So we're, yeah, we're, taking, we're even taking they the took her jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I mean, that would be a... Melissa on and not me. <laughs> no, be quiet. You no, need to be on. No. no, I think I think you should have Melissa on here and not me. I should show one of you how to do this and you you just go for it so oh shush yeah no i'm i'm actually kind of serious like i i would i would love to do that i'd love to just sit back and listen to y'all that would be fun that'd be fun for me make me a podcast come on (laughs) (laughs) i don't have to do any prep work it'll just show up on my spotify and i'll listen to it don't tell us what to do white man (laughs) damn it now I'm even more problematic. Oh. <laughs> I'm the worst. Okay. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Um, uh, uh, seriously, um, thanks to all of you. Brooke, Mark, always, always, always great to have you here. Love Melissa, here. this was so good. And now I'm really sad that it, it took us so long to have you on here. So, um, the good news is we're going to have you for the next, like, five, six episodes. So, that's going to be great. Get ready to be part of the two-hour podcast, Melissa. You're part of the job. (laughs) So, Melissa will return in Never Say Never Never Again. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, everybody. We'll we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. We'll break your socks. Big kiss. Mwah. Thank you. That will be all. God damn it. That's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. I opened a brand new bottle, and I have to tell you, it's half gone in my one glass. So, whoa, that's a that's pretty big. Uh, is it a glass or a fishbowl? It's just a glass. I don't understand that. Nice job, Patsy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's the size of a toilet bowl. I own a one. wine glass that takes a, an entire 750 milliliter wine bottle. So, don't you're not fooling me with oh, it. It's just one glass. No, one glass. <laughs> I have one. I don't really drink wine. You I'm see more me, like Mel. You see me. Girl, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> this show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Jen.